This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode. Hey, what what uh, episode number is this? Yeah, that's better. Thank you, kid. Episode 64, Submission 233, Open All Night. Open All Night aired on ABC from November 28th, 1981 to March 5th of 1982 for a total of 12 episodes, with two of them being unaired. Well, before we get to the theme, I'm going to debate that because it looks like IMDb says 13 episodes and two are unaired. And actually, well, if, well if you... one of them is the pilot because I did the research too. Because uh, thanks to our good friends at TV.com, there's like a there's like an episode guide for the 12 episodes that did air, and then the 13th was the pilot, which I don't think ever did air, or if it did, it didn't have a thing on it. But yeah, there's okay. no synopsis. So, okay, so while we fight over it, here's the theme song. Chico, you son of a. Hey, Chico? Yes, Mike? How would you describe that theme song in one word? It is a bop. Well, that's two words. A bop is two words. It's bop. It's bop. It's not just a bop. It's bop. Okay, I like it's a bop better. Okay. Yeah, that is a great theme song that just lays out, like, everything. You've got the and whole the description. Best, and- the best part about it is this theme song has absolutely nothing to do with the show, but it gives a sort of background to what goes on inside the mind of one Gordon Beaster, who was born in Ohio the day before Easter, which I've actually charted this out, and Mike and Greg can help me on this. Uh, yeah, let's just, you know what? Let's just rip off the band-aid. Let's go over the lyrics here one more time. This is the story of Gordon Beaster, born in Ohio the day before Easter, had a normal childhood, did okay in school, graduated from Columbus High in 1962. So that would put, if we are doing the I graduate high school in, at the age of 18, that would put his birthday at the day before Easter of 1944, which would be Saturday, April 8th, 1944. So, 
Yeah. Fe- feasible, but that was during wartime. Well, people aren't people aren't born during wartime. Well, I'm mainly saying that you know the the guys for the most part would have been fighting. Yeah, but they're, they're, but, yeah, but, but they're, they're, they're still they ferments. Well, no, I, I I get it. They're still you know people are still being born, and you know not every person fought overseas or in the war, but. I, it, it, it's conceivable. Let's say that it, it's. So yeah. more, I see what you did there. It's plausible. It's, no, I didn't. It's okay, I see. I see what you saw that I didn't really do. It, it, it isn't just conceivable. It's plausible. Okay, there you go. Okay, so second, oh, so we go. Oh wait, but wait, wait, wait! But after he went to high school and graduated in 1962, now he's open all night. He's open, open all, all night. night. Yeah, we will get we'll get to, we'll get to that in a moment. Went away to college, but he didn't do that good. So the army drafted him, and he got sent to Fort Hood. Served a two-year hitch, never went overseas. Spent a year peeling potatoes and a year copping Z's. Okay, so he went off to college, fall of 1962. He didn't do that good, so. In the mid, early to mid-60s, he would probably be, if you're talking about conscription, you're probably talking about the middle of the Vietnam War. Or the start of the Vietnam War. The start of the American involvement in it. Yeah. The start of the American involvement in the Vietnam War. And he was sent to Fort Hood, which, as you know, is in Colleen, Texas. And as of this recording, it is the headquarters of uh, Three Corps and the 1st Army Division West and the 1st Cavalry Division and the 3rd Cavalry Regiment, among others. The The Three Corps, which is the major formation of command in the United States Army, it was activated in World War I in France, and it oversaw the U.S. Army's division as they repelled German offensives and led them into Germany, and it was deactivated following the end of the war. And after World War II, it was a key training element. So he was going to basic training at Fort Hood as it saw troops over- sent troops overseas in support of the Cold War, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. However, the Corps saw no combat deployments until Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003. So, he was sent to Fort Hood. He served a two-year hitch. Never went overseas. So, most likely, he's, he's, in, he's in three corps. So, what was he doing? Uh, he spent a year okay. peeling potatoes. And, and a year, year copying Z's. So I'm guessing after all of those, t- all of that, and if you looked at the uh, video of the theme music, he was probably four uh, F for being too fat to fight. Probably. Presumably. Well, yeah, yeah, you're presumably. There. Yeah. That was open all night. Open, open all, night. all night. But then old Gordon sort of drifted this way. And that at times he had some money, but other times he was flat. He always seemed to manage, though he never saved a cent. Sure, it was a struggle, but he always paid the rent. 
so in one of the scenes in the opening montage, you see him doing different jobs uh, during this time where he uh, always paid the rent but never saved a cent. And he was essentially a grease monkey, a a car mechanic, and he was lying on his back on a dolly, uh, either going under a car or just coming out from under a car. And so, yeah, so he had different jobs uh, before he ended up getting the uh, getting the convenience store. Yeah. But, but then that takes us up but, to 1970. Well, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Right. there's All one right. thing you mentioned, yeah. and, it, and it actually ties into what you're about to say. Let's assume for a second that Gordon got married and had a child in this uh, interim period. Well, hold that on. Will... For, hold on. Before we get to that, after he's always paid the rent, now he's open all night. Yeah, open all night. Greg just wanted to say that. Yes, he all does. right. Uh, so what happens? That takes us up to 1974. And now old Gordon runs a grocery store with a wife named Gretchen who hangs around the house and her son named Terry by a previous spouse. So he has a stepson. No, he has, no, that's his son. No, he's got an ex. He has an ex and the ex had a son. So, so he's a divorcee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. He sowed his wild oats and Terry was the result. Gordon sits behind the counter in hock up to his nose, in a dither in a pickle in a store that's never closed. And he's open all night, 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 okay, open all night, okay, open all night, okay. All right, so, uh, how much would you say it costs to run your own? convenience store slash grocery store slash bodega in 1981 in 1981 let's let's just say he had to put out he had to put out one heck of a mortgage or pay a whole lot of rent which means he would have to a he'd have to pay for rent upkeep salary and it's not cheap. And, and when you compound the fact that he's, as the theme song says, in hock up to his nose. So he's got to keep the, he's got to keep the store going so, so he can pay for all of it, presumably. Well, that's sort of how businesses work. You've got to sell your stuff to make money and, yeah, for it. yeah, but but if we're talking a guy who makes Bob Belcher of Bob's Burgers fame look like he's got he's got all the money in the world, I mean, yeah, yeah, Bob uh, Belcher is a working man. He's he's definitely not uh, living high off the hog. So the grocery store this revolves around. It was called, it was like Convenience 364? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was just a regular grocery store, uh, or a convenience store more than a grocery store. Yeah, it was more like a 7-Eleven, your Wawa's, you know. It, your, it, it, it really was like a, 
Yeah, it really was like a 7-Eleven. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, where was this located? It, it, was it in California? Yeah, California, because didn't he move to California in the theme song montage? Uh, the Noel Gordon story drifted this way and that. At times he had money, other times he was flat. He always seemed to manage, though he never saved a cent. No, it doesn't say anything about where he moved to. Well, no, in the montage. Oh, in the montage. Yeah, if you watch, yeah, the, the, in the theme song, in the montage. He's, he's hitchhiking to California. L.A. or bust? Yep. Well, now hold on. He, so we he, presume- may have, he may have busted. You never know. Uh, but also, in addition to being an auto mechanic, uh, he was also a chef at one point, and he was a door-to-door oh, vacuum salesman. Yeah, because door-to-door vacuum salesmen back in the early 70s, they were in big demand. Well, they were, uh, yeah, abs- no. they were absolutely a thing. I don't know how in demand they were, but they were absolutely a, a profession. You know, the, the the Kirby vacuum person or whoever. You couldn't go to Sears. You had to rely on your door-to-door vacuum salesman. So who staffed yeah. this, uh, this enterprise? You this wildly a bunch of crazies. This was, there's not a lot of known names here. The the lead, George Fisher, is played by George Zunza. D-Z-U-N-D-Z-A. And what was he known for besides this? A little show on NBC called, uh, uh, you know, the name is on the tip of my tongue, I swear to God. Law and Order. Dun, dun. Really? He was on the first season, Sergeant Max Scribby. Okay, well, I'm... And, and he was I, also the voice of Perry White on the Superman animated series back in the 90s. Okay, I'm, I'm not a big Law & Order fan, so... I, okay, he was only on the first season. I, did, I thought maybe he was a character who was on the whole, you know, 18 or 20 seasons or whatever. Okay. This was before Jerry Orbach, obviously. Yeah. He didn't get replaced by Jerry Orbach, did he? Uh, I, Who knows? I don't even know when Jerry Orpach came on Law and Order. Okay. Probably like season three or something. His wife, Gretchen, or his second wife, we should say, Gretchen, was played by Susan Tyrell. Uh, Susan Tyrell. Are we talking about the, uh, Susan, the same Susan Tyrell who was on Wings? As Gunset Sal that one time? Oh. Yeah, we're talking about that one. Oh, Wings. Are we? Oh, Gwen Clagmire's yeah. favorite show. Oh, wings. no. Love, Don't go back I there. I love Wings! We know you but love yeah, she, she spent She spent more time on stage and film than she did on television. Yeah, uh, looking here, she was in Big Top Pee Wee. Ooh! Yeah. That'll be, be something for It Was a Thing at the Movies. You know, as soon as we get the Patreon up and running, yeah. As soon as we get more than five listeners. Hey, five listeners. We love you, five listeners. Uh, and and his son, Terry. Son, Terry, who... Well, we'll talk about his, uh, his sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, career advancement. 
uh, and when we talk about the uh, episodes. But his son Terry, uh, Terry Hoffmeister. So I'm guessing. I don't know how that I don't know how that family tree works. Anyway, it was played by Sam Whipple of two future installments. One, Seven Days as Dr. John Ballard, and two, I'm putting it on the list right now, Archie to Riverdale and back again. Jura, stay out of Riverdale. This was before Riverdale got all dark and gritty yeah and had mansion of meek on it because once again everything comes back to twin peaks on this show or match game hollywood squares uh he was also on a couple of episodes of another future installment buffalo bill which actually takes us to another character officer steve who was played by jay tarsus whose name has come up a couple of times in previous episodes because he was on the Duck Factory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also he co- uh, he created this show. He created uh, he created Tarsus, it with, with his Jay, writing partner Tom Hatchett. Jay Tarsus and uh, his writing partner Tom Hatchett created Open All Night. And one thing I want to note is the uh, executive producer of this show is a guy who you might have heard of in the entertainment industry. Uh, Bertie Brillstein. He's done some stuff. Yes, he uh, was the executive producer of Ghostbusters, The Blues Brothers, uh, worked with Jim Henson on The Muppets. Uh, And of course, around this time, he would have had, I mean, The Blues Brothers would have been like a year earlier. So he's riding high on that. So he was representing like Belushi, Aykroyd, uh, Bill Murray, all those uh, all those people from SNL back in the day. Yeah. And also, he's half of Brillstein Gray Entertainment, uh, people behind shows such as News Radio, The Larry Sanders Show, and The Sopranos. So, so definitely a known quantity there. Well, your night manager, Robin, wasn't played by a female. It was a male, and boy, he was a very big male. Bubba Smith. Oh, yes, Bubba Smith. Lieutenant Hightower from... Police Academy. Is this where you guys make fun of me for never seeing a Police Academy movie? Yes, it is. Yeah. And especially considering Bubba Smith has the best scene in Police Academy for, you know what I'm talking about, Chico. Knocks over the locker and not even realize what he's done. Well, that not scene. only. Oh, well, the, oh the, the voodoo priest guy. The voodoo, priest, voodoo scene. priest guy. Yeah, with, with yep. the scene with yep. David yep. Spade yep. in the yep. car. Yep. Yo. Uh, Seriously, folks, Police Academy 4, best of the series. I don't know what these critics are talking about. Yeah, those people that gave it a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, go to hell. This was That was great. I don't know what the hell they are talking about. <laughs> of I, I, I think there is some sort of incanta- incantation or or cult chant going on. I have no idea what the hell they were just saying. <laughs> okay, there's one There's one well, more. Uh... Well, no, hold on, hold on. There's something else I want to add about Bubba Smith. Since you guys want to talk about him in Police Academy, I'm going a whole different way. Oh. Yeah, because Bubba Smith was probably on 
one of my top two or three episodes of Married with Children ever. Yes! Oh, uh, yeah. All-night security dude where he battled Al Bundy in a one-on-one game of football. <laughs> and he played former high school football star Spare Tire Dixon. Spare Tire Dixon. The best ending in any episode of Married with Children in history. I will stand by that to the grave. All Night Security, dude, the ending of that episode is epic, 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 epic. Al Bundy and Bubba Smith as Spare Tire Dixon. Absolute perfection. Beautiful. Chef's kiss. Rounding out the cast of Motley's is Officer Steve's partner, Officer Edie, played by Beverly Banfield, who is on future installment, Burke's Law. She is also the voice of the mayor on, and I don't know if this is an installment, but might be one to be considered, the Flintstone Kids. B-E-D-R-O-C-K, we're all rocking in a bedrock way. The bedrock Flintstone Kids. Okay. Yes, that one. Oh, wow. I like Del- that Hold up. Don DeLuise was on Burke's Law. <laughs> wow. We should also mention uh, they had some uh, recurring customers. Uh, one was Dr. Kavanaugh, a very eccentric customer, and he was played by Clyde Philip Taylor. Yes, that Clyde Philip Taylor. That Clyde Philip Taylor? Yes, that Clyde Philip Taylor. And another customer who occasionally showed up as a customer is an unnamed customer, and he was of... Um, of Middle Eastern descent, except they didn't really use the word Middle Eastern because, you know, it was a less PC time. And uh, that was played by Joe Mantegna. Oh, that Joe Mantegna? Yeah, that Joe Mantegna. Uh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Fat Tony from The Simpsons, number one. Uh, but also, uh, a little bit before that, I believe it was about a year earlier, the last season of Soap, <laughs> He played a revolutionary. He played sort of like a Sandinista type of revolutionary uh, in the plot line where Catherine Hellman's character got kidnapped and executed or supposedly executed because that was the cliffhanger in the the, the series finale uh, in the end of the fourth season. Yeah, but he, and, she but must, he, and she must have been all right because she showed up on Benson later. Well, and, and obviously Catherine Hellman showed up on on Who's the Boss. Oh, oh yeah, okay, but yeah, because Benson's related, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that that, that, uh, that uh, Tony Mantegna can play anything. Yeah, uh, and actually, uh, he was Juan One, and, and the, what it was is there were three revolutionaries: Juan One, Juan Two, and Juan Three. Another one of his fellow revolutionaries, either Juan Two or Juan Three. I think he was Juan Two. Doesn't make a difference. He, he's one of the ones. And he's going to show up in two future installments. Greg, I hope you're sitting. Hold up. Okay, I'm sitting down. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Oh, he played one, too, by the way. Lori Faso, who hosted I'm Telling and was the main character and maybe the only character in the TV show Marlo and the Magic Movie Machine. Wow. Wow. So I think we've exhausted all our connections that we really need to take care of 
with uh, Joe Mantegna, Fat Tony. Mm-hmm. And there was another. And there was another uh, customer uh, who was played by a young actress by the name of Cassandra Peterson. And if you don't know who Cassandra Peterson is, first of all, why? Because a she was a really respected bit act, bit part, bit player in Hollywood back in the day, and two, she did a little thing on cable, on local cable access, where she played Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And also, if you didn't see it, uh, this is on YouTube through ABC's channel. Uh, she was on to tell the truth on uh, Thursday the 28th of May in yeah. one of the absolutely uh, amazing reveals. I, I'm not a big fan of to tell the truth, but I was absolutely floored when she was one of the imposters and you could not tell she was Elvira. I mean, she's well, you got to remember she's probably close to 70 years old at least now, but she looked nothing 68 close enough. Yeah. But okay. she lo- looks nothing like Elvira. But also, Elvira was a thing in the 80s and 90s. You know, we're in 2020, so you know, people age and look different. Yeah. Well, well, We'd hey. like to tell you a little bit more about what happened, but we're saving that for later. Yeah. And also, Elvira, she's got two pinball machines. Yes, she does. Elvira and the Party Monster is a classic. Well, it's gonna be, it was, that's gonna be that's gonna be covered on future on a future Patreon podcast. It was a thing. It was a thing in pinball. Yeah, it was a thing at the arcade. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, uh, Chico mentioned there's one other special guest we're gonna talk about, but we're gonna wait a little while for that. Uh, we're gonna get to him in episode four. Okay. Most of these episodes are on YouTube. Not all of them, not all 11 aired episodes, but I think you can easily find, what would you say, guys, seven or eight of them? At least most of the run. Yeah. Oh, a, a majority of the run, but you're not going to find all of them, but you're going to find most of them. Mm-hmm. So looking at the episodes, we're going to start with the first episode from November 28th of 1981, Night Moves. Gordon looks for a new night manager for the store. The candidate includes his inept stepson, Terry. I don't know if I can say this, but I'll try and get away with it. A hostile munchkin and a fugitive from the law. And we all know. Okay, so I was wrong. It was his stepson. Okay, well, yeah, Greg was right. I told you. Yeah, Greg. Greg, Greg He's right why the last name's different. My bad. Yeah, because as the theme song said, Gretchen is with her son Terry by a previous spouse. So she would be the divorce. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. It doesn't say his son; it's her son. Yeah. So, uh, good Gordon Feaster. This is his first marriage, and Gretchen. This is her second marriage. Okay. So we apologize to Greg. Greg was right all along, and. Well, me and Chico just can't read. We don't know pronouns. So, anywho, uh, looking for the new night manager, the candidates include Terry, the stepson, 
a hostile munchkin again apologies for the use of that word if you find it offensive a blame the person who wrote it in 1981 exactly and a fugitive from the law and we know as we mentioned uh, about the characters earlier the person who ended up becoming the night manager was robin played by spare tire dixon i mean bubba smith Officer Hightower, but, no. Yeah, but first, in the first episode, he does get arrested and arraigned and sent back to New York for a crime he didn't commit. But then that settled in the second episode. Oh, you mean Robin's Return? Oh, yes. Because yep. it says it right in the title. Yeah, Robin's Return. Terry stops a robbery, so Gordon makes him night manager, a position he promised to Robin who unexpectedly returns. Yes. Oh, that that's an interesting little family struggle. Yeah. You, you, you promised this to your stepson, who's, well, almost blood to you, closer uh, blood to you than, than, say, Robin. And here comes Robin. Oh, I promised him the job. Sorry, Terry. An interesting fact about episode two. Do you know who makes a cameo as Terry's friend in the episode? I don't have an uh, I don't have an idea. Okay, Chico, do you want to guess? Uh, no, I have no idea. Judge Reinhold. Oh yes, I did see his name going through the list of uh, cast members on IMDb. Yes, and of course, and Judge Reinhold would have been really young back then. Yeah, and also yeah. keep in mind, 1981. This is a year before Fast Times at Richmond High. So he'd be youngish, or yes. he would have like a huge growth spurt. Twenty-four. Yeah, so um, he, okay. yeah, young enough. Young enough. There you go. Which means he would play a high school student at the age of twenty-five. Holy nine hundred two one zero, Batman. Holy held back a couple years, Batman. And then episode three, Centerfold. On their fifth anniversary, Gordon discovers Gretchen posed as Miss Bandana in a magazine titled Skinny Dippers of 1965. Woo! Woo! So yeah, a champagne anniversary gets really, really, really awkward. Really awkward. Uh, But then episode four... This is the one where it has uh, the special guest we talked about earlier. We'll get to that after we go through the synopsis. Buckaroo Buddies. Terry's real father unexpectedly surfaces, hoping that his son will come live with him. And not to spoil anything, but since Terry shows up on episode five, uh, he didn't go back with his, his natural father. But there's a lot that we need to talk about with this episode. Right, Greg? Oh, yes, especially who shows up in this episode. Yeah, this is the special celebrity guest that we sort of omitted earlier for, well, obvious reasons. We didn't want to spoil it. And if you listen to our year-end show last year, we kind of gave it away. So the person we're talking about played a random customer who actually went into the 364 store, uh, wanted directions, and ended up buying... Was it like a collectible cup or a collectible mug from or of, was, Mel, of Melmac? Yeah, beer stein. Uh, a Melmac I, I beer so, stein. Yeah. Melmac beer stein. And, 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 the connect, and of course, it should be noted, 
I mentioned that this was executive produced by Bernie Brillstein. What did he later executive produce? Another Tom Patrick creation out. So he uh, asked for directions, got this Melmac Beerstein. And I don't know what a Melmac Beerstein is. It wasn't like shaped like Elf or, you know, it wasn't filled with cat innards or anything. Yeah, especially since Elf isn't for like another five years. Yeah, Elf's not right. for another four and a half, five years at this point. And he also shows up the, at the end of the episode. And the person we're talking about is some little guy named David Letterman. Yes, David Letterman played the customer looking for directions, purchasing the Melmac Beerstein, uh, but then showing up in the last segment of the show. Uh, and it's a very, very funny last segment. We're going to stick it into the episode right here. Hi. It's me again. The dinner recommendation. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, How did it turn out? Unbelievable. Great. You have been so helpful to me. I just had to come by and thank you again. My pleasure. Yeah. Could I ask you another question? It's about my career. Uh, What about it? All right, let's say, for example, that you uh, had hosted The Tonight Show. (laughs) Then you had your own show. Um, And then the network gives you, like, a multi-million dollar contract, pay or play. I hear you. Would would you go out and do a guest shot on some sitcom? I'll tell you, Feaster, the world's gone crazy. So, oh my gosh, what can we take out of that? I mean, first off, the references to his old show, The David Letterman Show. Oh, by the way, which we're going to talk about in the next month. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and the multi-million dollar pay your play. And the inside jab on Open All Night. Yeah. That is like extremely Letterman meta right there. That's so... And also, it should be noted, who uh, who was one of the writers on Open All Night? Yes, uh, Meryl Marco, who was one of Letterman's writers for ages, uh, but also occasional love interest of David Letterman. Yes. That was... It was just weird, because you gotta remember, this is an ABC show, and I'm pretty sure Letterman had an exclusive deal with NBC at the time. Yeah, so he was because as he mentioned, he references the player play contract. So he's biding his time until NBC cancels Tom Snyder and they put him in at the 1230 slot next to Carson. And that would have happened just about a month later because this aired December 26th of 81 and Letterman's late night show on NBC started on February 1st of 82. So about a month and a week later. And and also note, who was the first guest on Late Night with David Letterman? George Zinza. No. Bill, Mur- Bill Murray. Oh, oh, Bill Murray, yes. Yeah, another Bernie Brillstein connection. Yes. And that takes us to episode five, First Love. Aww. Gretchen frets over the lack of romance in her marriage Meanwhile, Terry and his girlfriend are so smitten with one another that they don't notice when a motorcycle crashes through the window of the store. How do you not notice that? 
Love blind, love blind to you. So does yes. hormones. So do hormones. Yes. And and so does a runaway Harley Davidson. Yeah. Love makes you do stupid things. Oh, uh, take it from me and probably Chico. Love makes you do stupid things. I don't hear confirmation from Chico. Oh, I I I was in, I was agreeing with you. Okay, I'll take your word for it. It's like I wasn't exactly arguing the point. <laughs> Episode six: Terry runs away. Set up with, with Gordon's abuse, Terry packs his two T-shirts and his pet worms and hits the road. There's something I need to add on my description here. He runs away, like you said, but where does he end up taking a job? Where? Where does he end up taking a job? At the Bates Motel. What? That's not creepy. <laughs> that, that's not weird or anything. But yeah, that's what it says here. It says Terry runs away from home and winds up taking a job at the Bates Motel. Oh, not creepy he... at all. Nope. Oh. Yeah, just be careful when you're taking care of the showers. Episode 6, Sitting Ducks. After the store is repeatedly robbed, Gordon hires a gung-ho type who's just back from El Salvador to lead tear gas classes in his home. What the hell? Tear gas classes in his home. What is it with the 80s and references to the Sandinistas? Yeah, I mean, we, we just talked about that with Joe Mantegna earlier uh, when he was on Soap. Yeah. And uh, the neighbor that we may be talking about who's doing the tear gas classes, another, uh, I'm going to assume it's this actor, I don't think this episode's online, might be Joel Brooks. A future installment, My Sister Sam? Yeah, Joel Brooks from My Sister Sam, among many, many other things, yes. Oh, we don't have My Sister Sam on the list. Yeah, we we do. I'm pretty (laughs) sure we do. We do? I just, I'm I'm about to put it there. No, it's not there. It is now. There you go. But, But speaking of Joel Brooks, he's the same person who, oh gosh, one of the better pyramid players back in the 80s, if you, uh, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. He was very good on Pyramid. Yeah, very good on Pyramid. Uh, has that sort of, uh, excuse the phrase, Jufro. Well, he does. I'm not yeah. lying. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, not going to argue with that. A slight Jufro. But, yeah, he's uh, definitely, again, as I would say, a known entity in the business. Definitely not one of those people that you're like, who is he, huh? He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. He's he absolutely sweet mullet is what he has. Yeah. Yeah. He's somebody, you know, and also, Oh, speaking of uh, something we talked about last week, he was also on future installment, private Benjamin. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up a second. I forgot. I forgot who else was on my sister, Sam. Uh, David Naughton, a future yeah. installment. Making, making it, making it. it. Oh, gee. everything goes back to David Naughton and making it too. If it isn't Twin Peaks and it isn't Match Game Hollywood Squares, it's David Naughton yeah, and making you, it. You imagine a show where you devote the entire time to all three? Can the world handle it? 
Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, no. Uh, moving on. Episode eight. Such good friends. Gretchen is introduced to on-the-job sexual harassment when she goes to work for Gordon's best friend, played by Philip R. Allen. Who would that guy be? The only thing that I see of any uh, usefulness, uh, he was on four episodes of Lou Grant. Oh, he played Roy Turner on future installment, The Bad News Bears. Yeah. So so there's one thing that uh, we, we'll see him in sometime in the future. Uh, he also played uh, an occasional character on Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, he played an occasional character on Bob Newhart. So he may be one of those people who's like, oh, you're that guy. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah, you're that guy from that show, or or that I, I remember a, seeing uh, you on that episode. So he's a that guy from that today, more or less. And also, uh, he, he uh, had a recurring character as Mr. Reese on, and I believe this is a future installment. And if it isn't, darn it, I'm going to make it one because I remember this, the Bronx Zoo. So that's who Philip R. Allen is, and aren't you better for knowing it? Uh, I'll let you know in a couple of minutes. Well, this is early 1982, so I want to know what the heck the sexual harassment training in 1982 was. Well, I'll take it a step further because my description gets a little deeper. Uh, Gretchen takes the job working for Gordon's philandering buddy, who quickly puts the moves on her. And meanwhile, Robin bonds with Terry and the eccentric Dr. Kavanaugh has a run of bad luck. So, yeah, a philanderer. That's, I think, like all we need to know there. Episode 9, Scam. Gordon and Gretchen attend a seminar on avoiding a scam and conclude it's preposterous. Unfortunately, at the same time, Terry's at the store falling victim to phase one of the scam. In other words, it sounds like Bernie made off 26 years early. Ah. Well, there's two notable guest stars I want to mention in this episode. One of the people from the convention of the managers at 364 is played by Dick Miller. Now, you two must be wondering, who is Dick Miller? Who is Dick Miller? Miller? I'm glad you asked. Dick Miller is a guy who would recognize from various movies from Joe Dante, like Gremlins, Inner Space, and Matinee. He plays Mr. Futterman in Gremlins 1 and 2. Did you say Mr. Futterman? Yes. That sounds like he's related to Josh Futterman of Future Man, which I'm not sure is or is not a future installment, but whatever. <laughs> Who's the second person? Oh, the second person is um, is the uh, guy from corporate that shows up that distracts George <sighs> while the scam is going on, and he is played by William G. Schilling. Now, you might be wondering, who is William G. Schilling? Uh, Okay, okay, I do know who he is, but Greg, can I? Can I? Can I? Okay, go ahead. He's the principal from Head of the Class. Yes, he's Dr. Samuels from Head of the Class. 
Episode 10 was a visit from the folks. Gordon's chain-smoking parents visit and quickly stomp on his nerves. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Gretchen tries out a new hairdo. And they, and again, this is not me speaking. This is IMDB slash whatever the capsule was from 1982. And the Arab, played by Joe Mantegna, tries to amass a complete collection of gurgle cups. Gurgles. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, Gordon's parents. Uh, yeah, they're played by Mary Jackson and Art Casul. The thing is, when you first see them, they're smoking like a chimney stack. I mean, as soon as they walk into the 364 store, smoking, 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 smoking. And they came across as annoying just at first sight. And I'm not even talking about the smoking, even though that would annoy the stink out of me. Uh, and then the gurgle cups, what the gurgle cups are, think almost like collector cups that you get when you buy like a Slurpee or uh, if you go to like McDonald's, they give you uh, special cups like, you know, oh, here's the Cleveland Browns or here's your favorite sports team or uh, some sort of collector stuff like that. Not like the the McDonald's uh, Monopoly game or anything like that. So the uh, the character played by Joe Mantegna was trying to collect all the different cups. And uh, just some of the names of the people on the cups that uh, were used. Uh, very, I don't want to say necessarily obscure celebrities, but I mean, it wasn't like you were looking for whoever the big star in 1981 slash 82 was. You weren't looking for a Meryl Streep cup or you weren't looking for a... Yeah, well, Ben Kingsley would have been big in like 82, 83 with Gandhi. But yeah, it wasn't somebody like that. The cup that he kept on getting was a Nipsey Russell cup. Yeah, well, of course, who wouldn't want a Nipsey Russell cup? But that was the cup he kept on getting. And he's like, no, 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 I've got like plenty of Nipsey Russells at home. Let me uh, get somebody else. So, yeah, he was trying to collect all the collector cups the gurgle cups of the different celebrities, which who knew Nipsey Russell was on a gurgle cup. Moving on. Moving on. The last aired episode from March 5th of 82, the chicken suit. Gretchen tries to add a personal touch to the store by offering homemade chicken sandwiches. But the result is a food poisoning lawsuit. Because chicken. Because Salad. chicken. That's Yeah, that's all you need to know because chicken. Meanwhile, a saxophone player camps out by the front door and annoys Gordon. Because gosh knows, people standing outside of grocery stores and convenience stores, they're always a bother. They bother me, but you know, your mileage may vary on that. Uh-huh. And then there's two episodes that didn't air, and you know, since they didn't air and they're not available on DVD, we can't fill the, the gaps unless Chico has it. Uh, well, Death, death of a Bag Lady, yeah, no. Okay, no. yeah, De Death of a Bag Lady and, and Edie's Girl, I don't think we're going to uh, be able to fill in those holes. And, and unless, unless Shout Factory come on, you got to find this and release it on DVD sometime. And, and really, this is a funny show. This was a funny show, and, and I'm not even saying that because of the Letterman. The Letterman thing, like I said, was totally that, surreal. That was a bonus. The, yeah, the whole Letterman thing was totally surreal, a bonus. 
Uh, Meryl Marco did write three episodes of the show, two others besides the, uh, the, uh, the, the Buckaroo Buddies episode. But looking at some of the reviews, yeah, they... They called this lot, the so, funniest show on television, right? Yes. Well, Newsweek. Well, well, let's also remember the, the funniest news show of 1978 was previously covered uh, late last year in Flying High, and that didn't last terribly long. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a review. Open All Night is weird, but good, from the Madison Courier in Madison, Indiana. Uh, but then there's other uh, reviews which say eh, it's not that funny or it, it, it just uh, it's an impending doom being canceled very soon. And another reason that it probably didn't last that long was when it aired. When did it air? Saturday nights at eight o'clock. Oh, that's oh. That's yeah. yeah, that that's your death slot more or less, even in 1982. And yeah. uh, and, and we even talked about that in the past. Um, gosh, how many episodes? Uh, uh, what was wasn't it Love Sydney that was on? Yeah, we talked about it last week. Yeah, Love it was last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, la- last week we just talked about Love Sydney, and Love Sydney w- uh, was moved to the Saturday night slot uh, in its final season about a year later. You know what was coming out, was airing out of Open All Night? Ansel Living. Well, by then well, it was under the title Making, making a, living. a Living. Yeah, it was, yeah it was, it's a living, but it was under its original title, Making a Living, yeah. And, uh, well, it was replaced in uh, winter of 82 by King's Crossing. But then the show that replaced King's Crossing... Had a little bit more success. A little show called TJ Hooker. Oh, you mean the TJ Hooker story, Heather Locklear of future installment going places? And the and William Shatner of future installment, show me the money. Well, and, and also William Shatner of future installment. The absolutely weird installments of Rescue 911. We've got future installments for days in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, everything doesn't necessarily have to tie into the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour or Twin Peaks. Or what was the other one? Making it. Yeah, making it. David Naughton. Making it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But yeah, this is one of those shows, even though, again, seven or eight episodes are on YouTube, I would love to see this come out on DVD. Yeah. Okay, interesting bit of trivia. Uh, For a while, because the internet, it was sort of insinuated that this show was based off of a British show with a similar title that lasted uh, in upwards of 14 years called Open All Hours. Granted, the premise is similar and the title is similar, but okay. these are two different shows. Yeah. And, and the funny yeah. thing is, you said it ran for 14 years? Yeah. Do you know how many episodes it had? How many episodes did it have? A, a very British number. 26. 
because you got to remember the British seasons were generally six episodes. Oh yeah. So yeah, they, they did a, a series in 1976, then another one in 81 and then 82 and 85. So 14 years, 26 episodes. So you got about two new episodes a year, not even two new episodes. Ow. Talk about pacing oneself. Mm-hmm. But again, that, that's the, the British way of doing TV shows. Uh, you know, we sort of made fun of that when we did the April Fool's Rip Taylor in Time. Because we couldn't come up with 13 plot lines. So we did six and we said it was a British show. Tee-hee-hee. Now you know the inside stuff about our show. Hey, if, not every British show could be like Doctor Who back then to do like 30 episodes a year. Well, not every British show is a cash cow like Doctor Who. Let's just say that. Uh-huh. But let's also say another thing. Open all night. Well, it closed up shop and it's been closed for almost 40 years. But... You know, in spite of, you know, some decent uh, actors. I mean, you look at the names, you know, Bubba Smith was, was okay, not necessarily a, a great actor, but, you know, memorable in Police Academy. And as I mentioned earlier, All Night Security Dude, uh, Married with Children episode. And Jay Tarsus, gosh, you know, he went on and did The Duck Factory and Buffalo Bill. And he, he's a known name. And, you know, Meryl Marco, even though she only wrote three episodes, Gosh knows she went on to bigger and better things. But in spite of all that, Open All Night was just a thing on TV. Yeah. yeah. Did I do that right, Chico? You did that right. Oh, good. But there's one, there's one more thing I want to do. It's time to play eBay Price is Right! Oh my, this must be a deep dig if you found something from Open All Night on eBay. I did. This oh. is a this is a publicity still of George Zunza right by the sign of the 364 store. On the back, it, it reads, ABC Photograph, Care of ABC Public Relations. Subject, George Zunza, program, Open all night. Premiere fall 1981. Fridays at 8:30 to 9 Eastern Daylight Time. Taken September 8th, 1981. Shipping from Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, so who goes? Who who who's gonna go first? Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to pick Mike. Because he looks like George Zunza, but he's as tall as Bubba Smith. Well, also... Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> well, well, also, Gordon's character was from Cleveland. Yeah. That no, was he no, from, he's from Columbus? Well, he's yeah, from, he Columbus, from Columbus, but he was wearing... But he was wearing Browns and Indian stuff in the friggin' show. Well, they don't have a pro sports team in they Columbus don't have in 1982. Pro teams. Thank you. Yeah, you know, the, I, blue, the Blue Jackets weren't for another 17 years. Right. Yeah, the Blue Jackets weren't until 99 or so. 
and, and, nope, and, and, and the crew and the crew. Well, nobody cares about the crew now anyway. And, and nobody cares about the, the Cincinnati teams. The Bengals sucked. Well, no, they're actually probably as good as the Browns back in 82. Mike, your bid. <laughs> and, and the Reds. Well, the Reds were good in the 70s. And my bid is is uh, 999. Uh, Greg. I will go. Well, hold on. A lot of the photos I've seen on eBay are like around. Fourteen twenty dollar range, so I'll go eleven ninety nine. Okay, so Mike, you bid nine ninety nine. Greg, you bid eleven ninety nine. The actual buy it now price for this photo of George Zunza and the three sixty four store sign nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, right. oh. I know. I know my eBay photos. <laughs> Short-lived TV shows, baby. How much they're worth. So, 1999. Damn. 19.99, And you can have your very own picture of George Zunza. It's a nice picture. I like the picture. I'll, uh... Anyway. Maybe, uh, maybe, well, maybe we should get it for the museum? Maybe you should get it for... No. We're not getting the we're not getting the picture for the museum. We're getting the sign for the museum. Oh, it's not, not that. And, and you know what? We're getting that sign and the sign that blinks open all night. Open all night. Open all night. Open all night. But that would confuse our visitors because they'd think we'd be open all hours. Not open all hours. It's a different show. No, no, the museum is open all hours because the, the sign <laughs> says open all night, open all night, open all night. Open all, all night. Oh, never mind. Close the, the show up. Uh, anyway, one thing that's open all night is our website. It was a thing on TV.com. There you'll find links to our social feeds, past episodes, more about the show, more about us, and, of course, our weekly... Are we still doing the weekly drops over at Place to Be Nation? Because I think that's yeah. important. Yes, because yes, it, I'm not sure what day it is because right now, considering now that we're technically all caught up, it's just, yeah. Now you're just this is the end after this. So so got place to be nation people. This is this is the second show since we're now officially all caught up and up to date. So so yeah, there's not a third episode after this. Or or maybe there is. Remember, there's the live episode. We may have to yeah, do the, that. The, what we did last Sunday. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we're. we're gonna, I don't know. Uh, I think we'll do the th- the uh, live show in the next batch of episodes. I'll have to talk to Jennifer Smith about that. All right. Hi, Jennifer Smith. Yeah. Hey, Jennifer. And while Greg does that, next week, I know I say that we have two great episodes coming up every week. These are two episodes that I know at least one of us has been waiting uh, eagerly to do. Uh, specifically the later episode, but yeah, both of these episodes, uh, I think we have a, a, quite a bit to say about them. We won't give you any hints, but well, if you listen to this, you'll listen to any damn thing. No. Uh, <laughs> I want to kiss these episodes with my mouth. And while Chico and the episodes go into a broom closet, we'll just thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week with two more episodes of It Was a Thing on TV while Chico does It Was a Thing in the broom closet with those episodes, and I'm going to puke.
So now let's sing the theme song. This is the story of Thor and Thor and Easter. Thor and Thor and Thor and Thor and Thor Win a win, win a win, 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 he always seen the manager that we never seen the censor. It was a struggle, but he always paid the rent. Now he's open all night. Yeah, open all night. That takes us up to night 74. Oh, well, Gordon runs a grocery store with a wife named Gretchen who hangs around the house. A son named Terry by a previous spouse. Gordon sits behind the counter and hawk up to his nose. And it's either in a pickle in a store that's never closed. Now he's open all night. Open all night. Open all night. Open all night, 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 open all night,